Thank you. Happy Resurrection Sunday, y'all. We thank God for seeing us through the Easter Prayer Festival. Amen. I had a great time. I believe those of us who are here, equally we were all blessed. Amen. And we thank God for that. Well, before I preach, let me just shout out Pastor Oscar Johnson. Pastor Oscar Johnson is a youth pastor. He's one of our pastors in ICC. Amen. And he's coming all the way from headquarters in Ghana. So thank you so much for being here. Amen. We are, we are blessed to have you. Amen. And send, send presiding bishop our love. Amen. So we are blessed. I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Nice. Okay. Let's pray, please. Father, we thank you this morning for an opportunity to hear your word. We pray that your word will come forth in power, yet in simplicity and in clarity of speech. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Easter. And we thank you that, Lord, may we find significance, may we find meaning into this. And above all, may we be able to interweave the meaning and the events of what we have celebrated into our personal lives that it will profit us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. I know on your screen it says 11 to 14, but I'm just going to read 11 to 13 and I'll tackle 14 later. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This morning, I am based on this scripture reading, I want to talk on a message I call the Great Unifier. The central theme of the book of Ephesians focuses on the blessings in Christ. So it spends more time talking about the believer's um, positional blessing. And what do I mean? In Ephesians, when it talks about blessing, it talks about in Christ. So it talks about the believer's position. So chapters 1 to 3 deals with that. And then when you read chapters 4 to 6, it deals with the believer's practice. So that's instructions, how we should behave as Christians. So in chapter 2, Paul was still talking about the blessings in Christ. But in chapter 2, Paul did something a bit unique. He decided to look at the past life of the Ephesian church, who were Gentiles, and then he will compare it to what God has done in their lives. And I believe that sometimes in order to appreciate the present and look forward to the future, Christianity-wise, it's very important for us to sometimes go a step back to the past. 
once you were a sinner, once you were unsaved. You see, when you begin to remind yourself of these things, not in a condemning way, but in a reflective way, it helps you to serve God better. You are able to appreciate salvation. You are able to remember the magnitude of God's love towards your life, which in a sense will help you to go forward in your Christian faith and in your Christian work and experience. So that's what Paul decided to do. Now, when we read verses 11 to 12, there is a history we can all appreciate there. It is not only exclusive to the Ephesian church. I think it's very important for us to see ourselves as parts. So verse 11 to 12, though it talks about the past of the Ephesian church, it also mirrors our life as Gentiles. So Paul talked about seven things there. If you look at it in verses 11 to 12, one, they were Gentiles and so were we. And when I'm using the word Gentile here, I'm not just talking about a non-Jew, but Gentile in this context means they were pagans. They didn't know God. They were without God. They were foreigners. They served after other gods. And in fact, if you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about that. We had no alliance with God. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world. And the Bible says that, that spirit that now works among the children of disobedience, which is the power of the air. That is what we were influenced by. We were Gentiles. We were Gentiles not because we were non-Jews. We were Gentiles because we were pagans. No alliance with God. The second thing that you see Paul made mention was that the Ephesian church were uncircumcised. And so were we. And when Paul is talking about circumcision or uncircumcision here, he's not necessarily referring to circumcision after the Old Testament. He's talking about more the New Testament. In the New Testament, when we talk about circumcision, we are not talking about the foreskin of the male. We are talking about the heart. And I remember one time Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. And he says that the Lord said, I will give you a new heart. I will take away the heart of stone and I will give you the heart of flesh. He said what Ezekiel was prophesying was circumcision. It wasn't circumcision after the law. This is circumcision of the spirit which deals with the heart. So we were uncircumcised. And uncircumcised also means we had the stony heart. And one day Jesus gave a parable of the sower. And he talked about soils, different kinds of soils, which later it referred to hearts. And one of the soils was a stony ground. And the Bible says when the word hit the stony ground, it had no earth, it had no depth, no roots. So it didn't germinate. So when we were uncircumcised, we were just impervious to the word of God. We didn't understand spiritual things. We were dull-hearted. That was our state. The third thing is that we were without Christ. We, we, had, we didn't have Christ. Christ was not in the picture. The fourth thing was that 
efficient church before they became the church they were alienated from the commonwealth of israel they were called aliens so were we bc before we came to christ we were also aliens we were strangers to the commonwealth of israel god formed a covenant with israel which didn't include us in the old testament israel was the exclusive people that God had chosen to himself. He gave them the law. He gave them blessings. We're aliens. So in the Old Testament, there are certain blessings there that was just for the Jews. Things like Isaiah. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise up against me in judgment that I shall condemn. This is the heritage of them that love the Lord. And this is of their righteousness. Isaiah 54, 17 is talking to the Jewish people. It's not talking to the Gentile nation. So you see, when we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, every blessing that God spoke upon them didn't include the Gentile nation. We were aliens. We were strangers. The Bible lets us know that that church too was also strangers to the covenant of promise. And what was the covenant of promise? The covenant of promise is the, pro- the covenant we are in now, which is the New Testament. They were strangers. They had no hope. In the epistles, when it talks about hope here, it's talking about hope of meeting the Lord face to face after the end of this age. That's the hope he's talking about. So they will not partake of the resurrection. They were hopeless. And that's what Apostle Paul said. And then the seventh thing that Apostle Paul talked about was the church was without God. So if we are here and if we are Christians, this was the state in which we were also in. So Apostle Paul is not just talking to the Ephesian church. The Apostle Paul this morning is talking to anybody who has received Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, this was also your past. You were a Gentile. You were a pagan. You were uncircumcised. And sometimes it's good to know all these things. It helps us to appreciate the moment that's in which we are in the Resurrection Sunday service. We were without Christ. We were aliens. We were strangers to the covenant of promise. We had no hope. And we die, that's it. We are doomed to eternal destruction. That's hopelessness. And we were without God. Can you imagine living this life without God? You know, the atheist will say, I don't believe in God. Okay, let's go for a test. Put him in the plane and then drop the plane. He will scream, oh my God. Can you imagine just being without God? That is scary. But we were without God. That means we were doomed to destruction. But when you read verse 13, the story changes. And I like that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood is the big factor. The blood made the difference. 
and that was what we celebrated this weekend when jesus died on the cross he didn't just pay for our redemption which we focused on during our easter prayer festival christ also paid for us to come near to certain privileges that were for the jewish nation so when christ died he didn't just think of the Ephesians as a whole he thought of the whole gentile nation which represented all of us who are non-jews and that's why the blood is the great unifier our story changed completely because the bible lets us know that now that we have come in christ jesus who once we were far off we were far off the commonwealth of israel we were far off um, the, the covenant of promise we were far off hope we were far off everything everything was a distant future away from us everything was in bleak darkness but when christ died and when his blood was shed the bible lets us know that now we have been brought near and when we've brought near this is what happens now our story has changed we who who were gentiles we are now the seed of abraham and why are we the seed of abraham last week we learned it at bible study abraham was justified by faith and we too we have been justified by faith we believed in christ as our lord and personal savior and through that we became righteous so we are correctly the seed of abraham we are no longer pagans now we who, who were uncircumcised who had a stony heart now we have a heart of flesh and when you read ezekiel chapter 36 from verse 27 going the bible lets us know that now i will put my spirit within you and i will cause you to walk in my statutes a heart of flesh is able to walk in the statutes of god and it is only in a circumcised heart that the holy spirit will dwell the holy spirit can never dwell in a heart of stone the Holy Spirit can only dwell in a heart of flesh. We are circumcised. And when we are talking about circumcision, it's not after the manner of the Old Testament. We are circumcised because Christ now lives in us, the Holy Spirit. We have Christ with us. I mean, if we are circumcised, we have Christ with us. The Bible lets us know that before that, we didn't have Christ. Now, we have Christ. And now, once we who were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel, now we have become citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. And that's good news. So every blessing that was pronounced on the nation of Israel, you can also take it because you are a seed of Abraham. And that is why Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 is not just written to the Jewish people now who were given the law. I am a child of God. I am a citizen of the commonwealth of Israel. I can also lay hold and claim that promise that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise up against me in judgment, I will condemn it. I can also take hold of that promise. Why? Because I am not an alien. I am now a citizen of the commonwealth of Israel. One time, Jesus met a woman called the Syrophoenician woman. And mind you, the Syrophoenician woman was a Gentile. And when she came believing God for healing 
for her child. Jesus said, it is not fit that I give the food to the dogs. And you might think that Jesus was a bit harsh, but Jesus was looking at her as an alien. She was an alien to the commonwealth of Israel. She was not a citizen to the commonwealth of Israel. So healing could not belong to her. But she did something amazing. That, okay, fine. I'm a dog. But even if a dog stays under the table, it gets hold of the cramps. And Jesus says that, great faith. I've never seen anybody have such great faith. Why? Because she was not a citizen of the Commonwealth of Israel. But I see, when we transitioned from being an alien to becoming a citizen of the Commonwealth of Israel by reason of salvation, the children's bread, which is healing, also belongs to us. Every blessing that has been appropriated on the nation of Israel also belongs to us. We are citizens of the Commonwealth of Israel. And that is something that we need to be excited about. Every blessing, anything that God spoke in the Old Testament to the Jewish people, you as a blood-bought believer, you have every right to also appropriate that blessing. Why? Because you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Israel. And not just that. The Bible lets us know that we were strangers to the covenant of, of promise. May I announce to you that the blood made it possible for us to be heirs to the New Testament. And the Bible says that this testament, it's better because it is founded on better promises. Because it also has a greater mediator. The Old Testament had a mediator which was Moses. This has a mediator which is Jesus Christ. And it is a better covenant with better promises. And that is what we are heirs to. And because of that, we have the Holy Spirit. During the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not manifested yet. And God dwelt in, in temples. But the Bible lets us know that he has moved from the temples that were built by the hands of men. And he has now dwelt in the temples of men. This is a, great, a, a better testament. It's a place whereby God is not imputing our sins upon us, but he's imputing upon us the gift of righteousness that we can stand before him without any sense of guilt. This is a better covenant. This is a better covenant because the Bible lets us know that I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write it and they shall never forget it. This is a better covenant. This is a covenant that the blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of bulls and goats, they cover sins yearly, but the blood of Jesus is efficacious. It is working 24-7 at all times. We are heirs of a better covenant. And not just that, we have this assurance that one day we have escaped condemnation and we will meet our Savior face to face one day. It's better than the Old Testament. We are heirs to the New Testament. Why? Because of the blood. The blood changed the story. Thank God that it didn't just let us face the 
bleak reality of our past, but the blood came to give us hope and change the story. I'm glad that the blood shifted gears for us, that now we can also be unified and enjoy every blessing that the choice generation in the Old Testament enjoyed. It says that we have a hope. But before that, we had no hope. By now, we have hope. Aren't you grateful that one day you will partake of the resurrection? The Bible calls the coming of the Lord the blessed hope. And I'm excited about that. It's the blessed hope. It's not something that we are terrified of. It's the blessed hope. Why? Because we shall be like him one day. And then we have God. God is with us. One of the promises that God gave is that I will be their God. They will be my people. We have God. The story has changed. And the reason why the story has changed is because of the blood. Thanks be to God that when the blood was shed, we who were non-Jews, we can also have access to every blessing that the Old Testament Jews had. And I like something in verse 14. The Bible lets us know that for he himself is our peace. And how did he become our peace? He has made both the Jews and the Gentiles one. Oh, hallelujah. And has broken down the middle wall of separation. There is no longer separation. There is no longer chasm. There is no longer divide. The blood has indeed unified us. In the temple, when you look at the layout, there was a middle wall of separation between the court of the woman and the court of the Gentiles. So people who were not Jews, they really didn't have access to come to church or to the temple. They would just sit by the place where the wall was. And that's why when Jesus came in, in his last days, the last seven days of Jesus, after the triumphant entry, the first action he did was to cleanse the temple. And why did he cleanse the temple? Because that place where the Gentiles sat, that was the same place the money changers were and they were doing business. And that's why when Jesus came and when he overthrew the money changers and overthrew the tables, he said, you have made my house a den of tears, for it shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And legend has it that the Gentiles always came there to intercede, believing that one day the gospel will reach them. They believed that one day the gospel was going to reach them. And so that little small place that they had, robbers had also taken it and were making merchandise in the church. And when you do that, that means the Gentiles can't come to church. So that was a very strange way. But thanks be to God that when the blood was shed, that middle wall, that was between the court of the woman and the court of the Gentiles was broken. And that now we are one. And that's good news. And that's why church should be a place where it should not be a place of divide. You know, there are some places 
It's a place of divide by birth, by status, by nationality, by how you speak. And church should be the last place. Because when Jesus died, that middle wall of separation is non-existent. It's non-existent. And that's why today all of us can call ourselves children of God. None of us need to go through the ritual of circumcision before we can call ourselves the seed of Abraham. As far as we believe in the Lord as, as our Lord and personal Savior, that alone is enough for us to say we are children of God. We have been unified as one. And that's great news. I want to close with this text. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 to 29. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 to 29. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I love this. The gospel came to unify us. The gospel believed in human and equal rights before 1945. And why do I say that? Because that was when UN was formed. And the reason why UN was formed was it wanted to foster these virtues. But the gospel was the first avenue by which human and equal rights could be served. The gospel has dealt with race, class, and sex. The Bible says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. It talks about race. There is neither slave nor free. It talks about class. It says there is neither male nor female. It talks about sex. You know, there is something in this world called gender wars. Males and females are fighting. And most times it's females who are at the short end of the stick. We do the same job as our male counterparts. We are not paid equally. It happens in sports. It happens in entertainment. It happens in the corporate world. And thanks be to God that when we come into Christ... All those barriers that tend to divide society has been broken. There is every reason for us to celebrate Easter. So, it's not about race. It's not about class. It's not about sex. When we come into Christ, it's not about the Jew or the Gentile. It's not about the slave or the free. It's not about the male or the female. We are all one in Christ. We are Christus. We are all Abraham's seed. And we are all heirs to the New Testament. So when we come to church, different colors, different people with different surnames, different accents, but three things unite us. We are Christus, we are Abraham's seed, and we are heirs to the New Testament. The blood has indeed spoken on our behalf. So today, let's take this good news. And that's why it's reconciliation. 
the blood has reconciled it has unified us it has made both one the jew and the gentile one and has broken down the middle wall of separation oh i thank god for the blood this was made possible by the blood and that is why jesus had to bleed he had to bleed so that indeed we will be unified he had to bleed so that indeed we will be an heir to the new covenant he had to bleed so that indeed we will have hope that one day we could partake of resurrection he had to bleed so that we will have christ with us he had to bleed so that all the chasms that exist in society will not exist in this christian walk of faith thank god for the blood oh i love it thank you jesus thank you lord There is every cause for us to preach the gospel to people and let them know that Christ came to unify us. In a world where there is too much chasm, there is too much divide, I think if there is any time where people need to hear the good news, that's why the gospel is called the good news. If there is any time that people need to hear the good news of the gospel, that Christ didn't just come to save us from our sin, but he came to unify us that at the end of it all, we will all be one. When we stand before him, it will not be different colors, different tongues, different statuses, but we will all be one because we are all Christ's, we are all Abraham's seed, and we are all heirs of the New Testament. And that's his blood. When God created, he spoke. But when he wanted to redeem us, he bled. Think about it. God could do everything with the power of his word. But when he wanted to redeem, when he wanted to reconcile us, he bled. What kind of love is this? Thank you, Lord. Can we begin to pray? Let's begin to worship the Lord. Thank him for Easter. Let Easter have a great significance for you today. Thank him. Let's thank the Lord. Can we just thank him? We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Yesterday, whilst my wife and I were having dinner, we were thinking of watching The Passion, but we both said no. We will not watch it. We will not watch it. We will not watch it. I, I can't watch it. I can't watch passion. I can't watch it again. One, one, once is enough. I bought the movie like 17 years ago. I still have it in the rubber. I've not torn the rubber. It's, uh, think about it. I can't watch it again. He bled so much so that we will be unified as one. Can we begin to thank him? Let's thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Worship your holy name. Manda Bosi Katanda Laboshi Babanda Labasakaya Baba. Oh Lord, we love you. We worship you. We give you praise. 
As we celebrate the resurrection, will you take the opportunity to share the same gospel Since this Passion Week, I've only sung just one song, and I just want us to sing it again. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, let's begin to worship the Lord. I will just worship for a few minutes before we take communion. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Let's begin to worship Him. Thank you, Lord. He bled so that you will become a seed of Abraham. He bled so that you will be circumcised. He bled so that you will have a son with him. He bled so that you become a citizen of the Commonwealth of Israel. He bled so that you become an heir to this new covenant, which is the New Testament. He bled so that you have a hope. He bled so that you will have God. God will be your God and we will be his people. And he bled on that cross. And that's why we thank God for that cross. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake of communion today. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 26, sorry. Verse 26 to 30. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples. Take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the many, for the remissions of their sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of vine from now on until that day when I drink in you with you in my Father's kingdom. 
and they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. So this scripture is letting me know that Jesus has not taken communion again till when we meet again. And for him to have communion with us, it came at a price. And the price was he had to bled. And the funny thing is that after he had finished talking about this, he went to pray, Lord, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. It's a hard, it's a hard choice. It's a hard choice. It was a, it was a tough price for him to pay that we will dine with him and we will wine with him one day. So therefore, when we have this opportunity as blood bought, as the saved of him, we shouldn't take it for granted. And we should have this hope that if we are able to dine and wine with him here in Holy Communion, we will get to do it with him in our Father's kingdom. So as we take off this bread, we are taking off his body. And this was the body that was sacrificed, that we celebrated on the weekend. Hebrews chapter 10, thou hast prepared a body for me. This was this body that, the, that Christ had to be sacrificed on for the remission, for the redemption, and that we will all be unified. That when God looks at us today, he doesn't see me as a Gentile different from a Jew. He sees us as one because the middle wall of separation is broken. In respect of that, let's eat the bread. Thank you, Lord, that this is your blood of the new covenant which you shed for the many of the remission of sins. We thank you that we can all partake of this because we have no sense of guilt because this is what shed our blood, the symbolism of it. Shall we drink? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we've had the opportunity to also partake of this sacrament. We give you praise that this word will be written on the tables of our hearts and we will run with this race. Enlarge our hearts, O Lord, that we will run the course of your commandments. Amen.